This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. Have you ever been to an RV rally? Doug Eulenbrock from the FMCA tells us why their conventions are where to be to learn about RVing and meet new people. Garmin has a new GPS unit that has a much sought after feature. And as bus life has come to an end for us, we reflect on the positives and negatives of our three-year school bus conversion adventure. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 99 of RV Miles. That's right, 99. The Red Balloons episode. Your Ugh. favorite song has finally made it I to hate RV that Miles. Song. I know, and you didn't read what I had written for you in the outline. No. You were supposed to call it the Red Balloon episode because I know how much you love that song. Yeah, that was never going to happen. I wanted to write the whole intro in German, but I just couldn't make that happen. Will you do your part? <laughs> yes, I will. I am Abby. And oh, I didn't say I'm Jason. And and I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. Speaking of national parks, so there is a, a great story in our America's National Parks Facebook group this week. Uh, a guy was talking about his friend who has statues of the seven dwarves uh, outside his house, right? Like you do. And apparently about 10 years ago, Dopey went missing. Poor Dopey. Poor Dopey. Dopey returned after a summer. It was gone for like three months and Dopey returned. With like an envelope around its neck full of photos. Dopey was taken on some sort of national park adventure and it went to all sorts of different national parks across the country. And whoever took it returned it. This is amazing. <laughs> this is long before Buddy Bison ever made it onto the scene. Dopey the dwarf was out there in the national parks having his picture taken. That's yeah. Fantastic. And I love that this story is a decade old and still no one knows who did it. It's fantastic. Hey, so if you uh, want to hear more stories like that and see lots of wonderful pictures of the national parks, go visit the America's National Parks Facebook group. Which you'll really enjoy it. Just crossed the 10,000 member mark. It's growing real quick. We also have the RV Miles Facebook group if you want to talk with us, you know, after the show there. <laughs> after the show. <laughs> No one wants to talk about this podcast after the show. Sure they do. <laughs> but in that group, though, we do have a lot of fun talking about all kinds of travel related items. And today it's Friday. We're recording on a Friday and we try every Friday. It doesn't always happen. But I try to remember on Fridays to just drop a little photo into the group and ask everyone where they're at this weekend. It's the busy camping season and it's a lot of fun to find out what people are doing, even beyond just camping. Someone's wallpapering their house this weekend to get ready to go full time and sell their property. We are actually coming to you from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. This Speaking weekend. of a house, we are we're in a cabin. I don't call it a I don't cabin. Know if you can classify it as a cabin. <laughs> yeah, this is not a cabin. Uh, this is a, like a twelve bedroom thing. We we have a family member getting married, and this uh, the reception is in this cabin, and then a lot. It's a you know, it's going to be a small affair, and most of us are staying in in the cabin. They rented a cabin for everybody, and it's. It's overlooking Smoky Mountains National Park. You know, we have a balcony view. You walk out and 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 see the mountains. And but the best gorgeous. part is that the boys are in one room and we are in the <laughs> other. And after several months of all being in the same room together, it's nice to be able to spread out a little bit. You and I were able to stay up. I think we stayed up to like two o'clock in the morning last night watching television, which is unheard of. 
and the kids were asleep in their own room. I watched a lot of HGTV, unspouse my house. I didn't even know that that was a thing. What is that? But that was like the wackiest show I watched (sighs) last night. I am so over HGTV. Don't say that. Don't do that. Anyway. Don't be that. Anyway. So we're we're uh, we're excited to explore a little bit here. We're not going to get to explore much no. because of the wedding. Um, we're only going to be exploring this cabin. But the cabin's real nice. And, it's got uh, a pool downstairs. It's beautiful. It's it was quite the drive to get up here to the. You know, it's like sitting on top of a small mountain. So. Well, I don't know if you know when you ride a roller coaster and you have to go up in order to come down. It's a lot of that there. I mean, that's sort of the angle. Some of these roads <laughs> were at where I was leaning back in the truck and I was kind of thinking, boy. I wish I had a handle or something I could hold on to. So we were hoping this week to let you know what our new RV is. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to wait off one more week because we haven't picked it up yet. It's It's been delayed because of the wedding stuff. Uh, we probably could have picked it up on uh, Thursday or so. But we've decided to pick it up Monday morning. That's when we go in and close on it. And, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll shoot some videos and stuff. If you follow us on social media, you can see what we got. I don't want everybody to get like too excited. Look, no. It's not like we've got like the most amazing RV no. out there and everybody should be so excited for it. But no, I need y'all be- to keep your expectations <laughs> real low. No, it's great. It's-, it's a great RV, but it is all we were looking for was function, dedicated space for the boys and ease of travel. Yeah. And affordability and, and it's, unaffordability. It's, it's, uh, it's modest. It's, it's nice. It's, it's, it's the perfect for layout for us. It's perfect for so, us. This as awesome as this cabin is that we are in right now, it's three levels. It's got a pool inside and it's, it's got a theater room. It's I, it's crazy, but it's too much for me. I'm really looking forward to getting back into the trailer and getting back into a more modest, tiny living lifestyle. The truck is pretty sweet, too. It's been a real enjoyable ride. And one of the reasons my fresh tank this week, which we will get to in a little bit, is this week is because of the truck. Oh, well. But that's we'll get a, that's, that's a teaser. Yeah, that's later in the show. <laughs> All right. For weeks, you've heard us talk about our new favorite organizational app for all things RV, Togo. Togo has created an ecosystem of offerings that completely digitize the RV operational experience. Checklists, how-to guides, instructional videos, and more, all designed by RVers for RVers. And if you didn't catch episode 91, the best internet option on the road, check it out to hear about their brand new all-in-one internet connectivity kit, the Togo Roadlink. With state-of-the-art hardware, Roadlink C2 is a powerful Wi-Fi booster combined with a 4G LTE antenna. It's a small-in-one dome that easily installs on your roof and can be controlled by an app instead of a clunky portal. That's not enough. Roadlink has joined forces with AT&T to offer unlimited 4G LTE data specifically for RVers. Whether you're a full-time traveler or weekend warrior, Togo is designed to make your life easier. Simplify your travel experience and download the Togo app, spelled T-O-G-O, in the U.S. Apple Store or Google Play. An RV that runs with Togo enjoys more miles with less trials. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. What has small hills and valleys is crisp, whether the air is hot or cold, has a salty surface and ridges. And the answer, of course, is a potato chip. One of Henry's favorite four food groups. Specifically, you know, a a ridged ruffles potato chip is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Now, Henry prefers a Lay's. He's a Lay's kind of guy. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know either. Although I've kind of grown, I've kind of grown to be like a flat chip guy instead Mm. of the ridges. I don't know. Well, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> Our winner this week is Steve H. from Maine, who will receive a Not All Who Wonder Our Lost t-shirt from the RV Mile store. And you'll have a chance to win yours later on the show with a new brain teaser. But if you do not want to wait, we're just going to throw this out here. You can head over to Teespring and get your own Not All Who Wonder Our Lost t-shirt. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yes, we will. 
All right. We wanted to spend some time on this show to talk about uh, just some reflections on living in a bus and what bus life has meant to us. In memoriam. In memoriam. This is the section of the Oscars in which (laughs) we discuss sort of our feelings about bus life as we are transitioning out of it because Bussy left on Monday. I think last week we told you that we had sold the bus and the bus stayed with us for a few days while we emptied it out and cleaned it for its new owner. And, and they picked it up on Monday and it was, it was very emotional. It was a very emotional experience, both sorrow and joy. And the people that came to pick it up, he had some friends that came with them. They were all just very uh, understanding and very concerned for us, for our emotional well-being. They asked me several times how I was doing. I must have looked like I was a distraught mess, <laughs> maybe. Um, but as much as it was hard to let Wanderbus go, the amount of relief I felt almost immediately sort of really reaffirmed the idea that we had done the right thing. Yeah, I was relieving to give it to somebody who we thought would take care of it and it was going to have a nice home. I was just going to park it on some land and just be able to appreciate its interior without having to try and take that interior to a new place every few weeks. Yeah, we had people wanting to buy it from us who, you know, wanted to just wanted to run it, wanted to rebuild the engine stuff that yeah I, they weren't realistically thinking about the cost of well and you know trying to get us to sort of pinpoint well, how many miles do you think this has how much longer right. do you think this can go all of which are questions we have been asking ourselves for months and could not put a definitive answer on and i could never ever sleep peacefully at night if i had sent somebody off with that bus just to get rid of it yeah. you know i needed it to be a situation in which I knew they were going to be okay and that we were going to be okay with the outcome. Yeah. So anyway, that is all said and done. That chapter closes, but we just thought a really nice way to put a button on that three-year experience would be to talk about the challenges and also the joys of bus life. So we're going to start with the challenges. Let's just get the rough stuff out of the Mm -hmm. way. And I thought, now we can always switch this up because we like to do this on the fly with the podcast. I thought we could pick three each, but something tells me, something tells me we might overlap. We'll see. All right. You first. Okay. So we're, we're doing the negatives, right? We're doing the negatives. All right. Well, the, the biggest thing, and this is what a lot of people don't think about when they get into this is that, that you have to build the bus, you know, I mean, you, when you decide that you're going to go into bus life you have to either buy a bus that has been converted or you have to build it and that's a lot different than going to an rv store and and buying an rv that's finished it might not be perfectly sound but your bus won't be either and i think a lot of people get lulled into this idea that you can make a bus what you want of it and you can make it perfect and you don't have to worry about manufacturer defects and all that sort of stuff. Well, you have to be perfect then when you build your bus and you have to have the time to do it. You have to have the tools to do it. You have to have the money to do it. And it's a lot of work. We knew it was going to be a lot of work, but uh, it was even more than we expected. I expected on the front end for there to be a lot of work in the build, the initial build. I think the, The difficulty for me was the amount of work that started showing up once we got on the road and the sometimes helplessness or the frustration of trying to figure those things out in locations in which we didn't have what we needed. And I know that there is a normal amount of repair that's when you live in something full time, be it a house or a trailer or a bus or a van, and you are using that thing day in and day out. Repairs are going to happen. But for me, personally speaking, what there was just something very triggering for me about the bus breaking down. It felt so monumental, almost impossible. 
And I've been broken down on the side of the road in a car. I've been in homes that needed when the radiator in the apartment started just gushing water everywhere. You know, we've had those things, whatever it was for me personally, towards the end, that the back end bus repairs became just too much. Well, yeah. You know, the thing is you think that you're building yourself a new RV and you are, but you're building it on a chassis that is so many years old and it's going to have those older vehicle repair issues. And so anybody that goes and buys it, you know, our bus was a 2002. You went out and bought a 2002 class A RV with a similar engine. You'd have some of the same issues, I'm sure. Or you'd have a chance at having a lot of the same issues. Um, it's just for us, for our pace, for our family life, that stuff was all, it also just, it, it seemed so difficult to it's just compounded get over. Upon, yeah. And that's, that's one of the big reasons why we're switching to a trailer too, because when you're in a motor home, whether it be a bus or a, a typical motor home living full time with kids and you have repairs that need to happen, that's your home. And it's either got to go somewhere to get repaired or you got to do it yourself in the campground or somebody's got to come to you. And that was challenging. That was challenging. So, and I know there are plenty of challenges with trailer life as well, but. Oh yeah. We don't go into this with our eyes closed. Yeah. We yeah. fully expect there will be things. So that's kind of the first one we're kind of running together. What would you say would be the second challenge to bus life? You know, some of the perceptions from uh, campgrounds. Get out of my head. Well, sorry, you know, there, <laughs> there are like three big ones and we're going to use the same one. The The perceptions of people in, in campgrounds sometimes is, it can be a challenge because there are campgrounds that just don't allow them. And it's often the same campgrounds that have those 10 year rules for, for RVs, but it's sometimes more than that because, um, because the, uh, a, a tiny home or a bus, anything custom built is not going to have that RVIA certification sticker, <coughs> meaning it was, uh, meaning it was built in a plant and, and the construction of which is condoned by the RV industry association. Really, that whole thing is a big it's a big marketing ploy. You you there's a seal on on your the side of your RV. That's the RV Industry Association seal. And you pay in the price of your RV like like a couple hundred bucks for that. And that's what goes in to pay the RV Industry Association to do all the marketing and outreach and all the stuff that they do. And it's a self-certification process. So these, you know, these manufacturers there, there's nobody supervising it, making sure they're, you know, building them to the RVIA standards. They just say they're going to, and then, you know, they get an inspection every now and then. But anyway, long way around the bend, Ooh, long way around that bend. It's, <laughs> it's sort of a meaningless thing, but I do get the fact that there are some junker homemade RVs out there, just like there's some junker, not homemade RVs out there. Yeah. I, you know? That is, I'm going to just follow you as my number two as well. And that is sort of the, the difficulty it was to navigate the community in the bus to sort of feel like you're not really welcome in some places. And that, you know, that's unfortunate because this is such a warm and welcoming community of people for the most part, but it really kind of is that campground vibe. Yeah. Now I will say we never had an issue once we were at a campground. No, but we should be really clear in the three years we've been at this, we've only been to private campgrounds. I can't even count them on one hand. Yeah, well, it's been a little bit more than that, but it's, you know, well, we stayed at one for a long period of time, but I'm talking about, we haven't done a ton of private campground camping no, we because haven't. we know the yeah. perception is there. And it, honestly, I don't, personally speaking, and I have, you know, I understand there's insurance issues you've got to deal with. Every campground is, is welcome to operate the way they see fit. I just didn't want to jump through the hoops. You wanted me to jump through in order to stay there. I didn't feel like I should have to send you pictures of my bus. I didn't feel like I should have to answer your 10 questions. Right. So that was a choice we yeah. made just like they get to make their choice. And that was a choice we made. Yeah. I just want to be clear that there was never like 
we never had any issue with once we were at a campground that that with other campers oh, looking no. down on our vehicle. More, it, no, because the campers are actually going to be going right. into my my wonderful things about. Yeah, it was life. quite the opposite. People yeah. wanted to tour, you know, all that. So, yeah, don't anyway. jump ahead of me. Okay. Though. Keep stop okay. stealing my thunder. So you want me to pick a third here then? I do. Mm. Okay. My third one is comfort driving down the road. Uh, our bus was very comfortable for us in campgrounds, boondocking, wherever we were. It was not very comfortable for us driving down the road. And I think that will just come back on us. Like right. that's just a design. And, you and- know, we, we were limited by budget and, and, yeah. and stuff. So we had no heat and air conditioning driving down the road. Uh, it was a front engine, so it was very loud and we couldn't even mm-hmm. really talk to each other very well driving down the road. So not that we don't talk to each other enough as it is already. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's more like we couldn't play any music. <laughs> so for everybody, you know, drive days were sort of private time, you know, to read or uh, except stare for at their me, devices or stare at their devices. But but. Um, you know, it was boring for me a lot of the time because I really couldn't even listen to anything driving. Um, but uh, that was probably one of the bigger things. That, yeah, that sounds that like a personal, yeah. that's a real personal yeah. challenge. For me, I would say another unique challenge to bus life is the cost of maintenance if you have to shop out the work and the cost of tires. Tires on a bus are really expensive. And we unfortunately have been down that road twice since we got the bus. And, you know, the same too. Anytime we needed to have a mechanic look at the bus, you know, we were paying $125 to $150 an hour. And so the desire to want to do as much as we could ourselves and to really try and self-educate ourselves was strong because we knew that the cost of at least our particular bus, and maybe it was just the areas we landed in was going to really, really hurt financially. Yeah. And of course, again, you're going to have those same issues if you're in a big class A RV, which is essentially the same thing as a bus. All right, we have that's a negative. We'll get the negative out of the way. Yeah, first. let's just cleanse that so mm-hmm. we can celebrate. Let's, We're done. We cleansed it. Let's take a break. Let's breathe through it. In just a moment, <laughs> we'll be back with the positives. As we record this, it is June 21st, the first day of summer. Happy summer, Jason. Happy summer. Jason, do you have your summer shades? Why, in fact, I do. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So They're do I. They're from ShadyRays.com. Are they? You know what? Mine are some super cool aviators, and I don't think I have to tell you how I've been channeling my inner coolness in my aviators. <laughs> yes, you have, David Crusoe. <laughs> and I have Shady Rays original timber from their classic series which start at only 45 dollars mine look they look they're like wood grain and they look so cool they're pretty sweet when you put them up on top of your head like that and then you just walk around for hours on end and you don't realize your sunglasses <laughs> I had are them still on, on the top at midnight <laughs> last night <laughs> he, he sits down in bed and his sunglasses go boop <laughs> right down over his eyes so if you want to have a moment like that then you need to go over to shadyrays.com and use the promo code RV. And when you use that promo code, you are going to get 50% off two pairs or more. That is essentially a buy one, get one, or as the cool kids say, BOGO. Shady Rays are premium sunglasses at not such a premium price. And the best part is if you drop them, you break them, you sit on them, you sleep on them, you you fall in a lake with them. (laughs) Shady Rays is going to replace them. All you have to do is pay a small shipping and handling fee and they will replace your sunglasses for you. Pretty cool. So head over today to ShadyRays.com and do not forget to use that promo code RV to get 50% off two pair or more. Happy summer, everyone. All right, it's time for some 
positive things, the amazing things that we experienced with bus life. Yeah. And we're going to do three and you're going to go first this time. So I'm not put on the spot. Oh, you're so that's not fair. I'm the one that came up with this segment. I should get to call the shots. I'll go first. Okay. There you go. That's what, yes, I do. That's what I'm talking about. Go first. So number one is, is being able to, with your two hands, say you built something that is your home customized to your family's needs. And I, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was so worth it to have something that was just so right for us. That was unique and different and funky and fun. The memories of the kids in there helping pull up the seats or little tiny Henry sort of helping his daddy hammer in, you know, the nails into what would eventually become our couch. It just, those are precious memories that I, I'm not quite sure we could have gotten and we could have in some ways gotten if we had purchased an RV and kind of just done a reno on the inside of it. Mm-hmm. But this was a complete and total gut job down to the just the frame. And then we rebuilt it. it yeah. Like, and you when you do that, you you learn a lot of things. Um, you learn new skills. You learn about the the vehicle you're building. So when stuff does happen to it down the road, you know. Uh, at, at least from the the interior stuff, you know how to repair it. Um, you and, know what's there. You yeah. know what you installed. I would. I'm not going to piggyback on that. I'm going to try and be my own person in this segment. So I'm going to say that my one of my positives is the strength of the bus. Mm-hmm. I always felt so safe and secure inside the bus whether we were driving down the road or we were in a campground and a storm was coming through that was still safe for us to be in the bus. I always just, I felt very, very protected. And that was one of those things that was really hard for me to envision translating into trailer life. Not that trailers are flimsy and, you know, the walls are paper thin or anything like that. So in some places they are, but it's just that outer metal frame of the bus mm-hmm. weighs a ton, but feels very, very durable. And I just always felt like my, I felt like my family was safe. My kids yeah. were safe. Yeah. It, it was a safe vehicle and that will be missed. I'm sure when we're camping below giant trees and the thunderstorm blows in, but let's not we'll do that. See though. How it goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Your next positive. The interest from our friends, our family in the community, the, the fact that everybody just loved that we had done this, that they wanted to see it. They wanted to know about it. They wanted to talk about it. And everywhere we went, everybody wanted to know how we did it, what it took and, and all the details. I'm, I'm piggybacking off of you. I have to, because that was probably for me, One of the number one best things about bus life for us, I know that there have been very different experiences for other people in the schoolie community. We had support that I never could have imagined from strangers, from family, from friends. And, you know, when we went into it, I thought, boy, what are our parents going to say about this? You know, I, I don't, even as an adult, to some degree, I still genuinely want to know my mom and dad see good in what I'm doing, that they back what I'm doing, that they believe in what I'm doing. And they couldn't, your parents, my parents, they, from the minute we told them we were doing this, they were like, that is amazing. We are 100% here for you. Yeah. And I will never, you know, even through all of the, should we have done this or should we have done that? Just the people we have gotten to know through living this lifestyle and the growth that we have been able to experience, the bond, I should say more, with our family in regards to just cheering us on has it's been amazing. Yeah, and we have we have known lots of people. We've met lots of people who have gone full time, whether it be in a, a bus conversion or an RV that have had a very negative experience with their family, um, not wanting them to do it. And we're so grateful that we didn't, we had the exact opposite. 
Yeah. And they stay here cheering us on through this next season of life as a full-time traveling family. So we're very fortunate for that. That will mm-hmm. never change. All right. One more. Uh, one more. Um, being able to sort of feel comfortable about editing, <laughs> you know, what you have built. And if you buy an RV, um, you know, I think you feel like you're eventually going to want to resell it someday. And there's less comfort in tearing something out, uh, cutting a hole in the wall, um, installing things that are, that involve um, alterations. Right. And we're already feeling that and we haven't even moved in yet. Yeah. And with the bus is like, uh, you know, we got a, we got a new computer that was a uh, computer that, uh, that has a, a tower. And we hadn't had one like that um, in the bus before. And I was able to, you know, just like cut out a hole for it. And, and, and we didn't even think twice. We were like, just cut that hole. Yeah, you it's just ours. are able to do it. If you want to screw a, a sign to the outside, a light to the outside, you just screw it in and do it. You know, of course, a little sealant, but just I, a little bit. There's a lot more uh, comfortability in that, partially because you know what's inside and you know what you've done, you know, you're not running a screw into a water pipe or whatever it is. Um, and, and that I think I'm going to miss. Yes, I would agree with you because as we have talked about our future life with this trailer, you know, we're just not going to have sort of the creativity that we had in the bus. And that leads me to my third, which is the artistic expression that we were allowed to have through Wanderbus has been a way for me to stay connected to a part of who I am that was a big part of me before we started traveling full time. And I always really worried that I was going to lose that little part of me, that, that theater artistic part of me and podcasting has also certainly allowed us to, you know, tap into that as well. But Wanderbus was really the catalyst that made me feel like I could go out on the road and still be who I am. Absolutely. That's a good place to wrap this up. No. Now I miss Bussy. We do. We do. It's a weird transitional period where we don't have the bus or the new trailer. So it's, it's been, it's been tough. And, um, but we're looking forward to making our new home on Monday, uh, all our own. We got to take a break because now I'm crying. Looking to connect with other RVers and access tons of great resources and discounts? From motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more, FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has your back. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue, and tire savings programs. Plus, their medical emergency and travel assistance program is included free and uh you know a lot of people they may not have heard this news that happened last year the fmca used to be the the family motor coach association and it was just for motorhomes the fmca membership voted to add trailers to their um eligibility for membership last year so now any rver can be a member of fmca so we're looking forward to being FMCA members as trailer owners. We are, and we appreciate the fact that they recognize that the community is so much bigger than just motorhomes. So if you are not an FMCA member and you want to become one, you can save $10 on your yearly membership using the code RVMILES19. So just visit FMCA.com and use the code RVMILES19. You will save $10 and you will have a membership for only $50 for a year. It's a great deal. And we look forward to seeing you out on the road as FMCA members. So speaking of the FMCA, uh, one of the best benefits of the FMCA, if you're interested in this kind of thing, is their uh, rallies or as they call them conventions. And, And it's a place where you can where RVers gather together and learn about RVing, make friends, go to seminars, all sorts of stuff. And 
our interview guest this week is Doug Eulenbrock from the FMCA. We've had Doug on before, but Doug is here to tell us a little bit about the history of FMCA conventions and what's coming up at this fall's 100th FMCA convention. Doug, thanks for being back on the show. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, a lot of things we have going on in the next next year and talking a little bit about uh, FMCA and our conventions. Let's take a step uh, way back here. So a lot of people, when they look to buy an RV, I don't think they're thinking about things like rallies. I don't think that's something that crosses anybody's mind. And that's a big part of what FMCA does is, is rallies and meetups. What can somebody expect at a, an RV rally? Well, at, at our events, um, we, it's a multifaceted type of thing. Um, we, you know, we, kind of the first part of it is the social aspect. Um, we bring, you know, thousands of people together, um, who enjoy RVing, who have the same type of lifestyle uh, and, and the travel ambitions, bring those, those folks together so they can, uh, you know, meet others, um, have fun, you know, getting to know other, other people, join other groups. Uh, you know, it, it's a social experience. Um, but a convention is, it, of course, much more. We have um, a lot of educational opportunities, and that's a big part of what our conventions are, are all about. Um, we have uh, education opportunities both before the convention even starts and then throughout the convention, we'll have over 100 seminars if folks can go to. And, um, you know, they, they involve technical aspects of RVing, you know, uh, you know, that you know, the, all the different systems that are involved. We also have, uh, you know, lifestyle type things so folks can, you know, find out how to use use their RV in different ways, whether it's where to travel to or how to cook something or things like that in their RV. And then we have, you know, a number of other safety type things that we'll talk about, whether it's fire or, you know, driving, that type of thing. So there's, there's a large, uh, large number of categories that would be that we look at as we put our seminars together. Um, you know, there's also, you know, we have a lot of entertainment. We'll have entertainment throughout the days and the evenings to keep people um, involved, keep them active, keep them out. You know, we try and bring some nice accents and a variety of different things that people like. So. Um, you know, there's just a number of things that go on with the conventions. Uh, they are multifaceted, as I, as I mentioned, and, you know, we try and hit something for everyone. You know, we can't make everybody happy all, all the time, but we try and, you know, give such a broad spectrum of things for people to do that, you know, you're going to find something that you enjoy during one of our conventions. So what's, what's sort of the history behind them? The FMCA dates back until to the sixties, right? That's correct. Uh, yeah, our conventions uh, started off, um, the first one was in uh, Fort Ticonderoga in uh, New York in 1964. That was the first one we had. Um, and, you know, there weren't a whole lot of people there. I think there was, you know, less than 100 uh, RVs there. Um, it was, you know, a year after FMCA uh, got started. Um, and mostly it was just a gathering. You know, the folks who were part of FMC- FMCA wanted to get together. As the association grew, came up with a, you know, a, a law, bo- law making body that, you know, they had to do a convention each year, come together, decide on the rules of how FMCA would, would, would operate, how, um, you know, they, they would vote on dues, you know, renewals in different parts of how the association would grow. So we would have one each summer. Well, that eventually led to, you know, one in the summer, but also one in the spring. Um, so that's how we went to our two, two thing. There was actually a time at one point we had three conventions in a year, but that didn't go over real well. So we went back to two. We have one in the spring and one in the summer. Um, the one in the summer also all, always has our governing board meeting. Um, so, you know, that's always a part of our summer. And also our annual meeting is held during the summer event. But, you know, we started in 64, it grew, you know, for a few years as the one. And then we added two. And then it's kind of just, you know, continued to blossom with different things throughout the years as the RV industry changed and as um, our members' travel uh, habits and, and ideals uh, changed. Um, so did our conventions. You know, went from um, a lot of you know when we first started, we didn't have near the exhibits, we didn't have near the seminars and things as we do now. Um, you know, but that's that's the way things have evolved uh, through the years. You know, this is like 55 years, I guess, since our first convention. So um, things obviously have changed in the way we do things uh, from when they were in the past. So, um, so this upcoming 
convention in in Minot, North Dakota is your hundredth. That's correct. Uh, are you planning anything special for the hundredth? Well, we have uh, we have a number of uh, memorabilia areas that we're going to be setting up with pictures from the past and um, a lot of different things, items that folks uh, have donated to us. Different chapters have have given us things, some things we have on our own that we're going to have set up. Um, you know, we we have we have a lot of entertainment kind of revolve around that. We brought back some groups um, and some people who have been in part of our entertainment in the past. Um, we're going to be doing uh, what's called the Magic Mile, which is a first time thing. Uh, it's going to be a, an activity uh, event where we're going to have people walk or run or ride in their their carts um, a mile course. And we're going to give the money to a charity. Um, we've got some different things that we're going to do to kind of celebrate 100, um, whether it's giveaways of at, at, at a 100 level with money or different things. So uh, we have a number of different things going on in that regard. And we've got a commemorative program that we're selling that kind of uh, details 100 years of conventions with FMCA. So there, there's a number of different things that, that we are going to be doing to to celebrate um our 100th convention with FMCA. And, and why, why Minot, North Dakota? A lot of people, I guess, would think that that's far out of the way. Um, we're excited. We're going to be spending a whole month in North Dakota be- before and after the convention. But um, what, what, uh, what landed the convention in Minot? Well, we, we've been looking for some different places to go to uh, in recent years. Um, find a convention site um, isn't easy. Let me just exp- and, and folks don't really understand how what all goes into finding a place that we can go to, um, especially during our uh, governing board years. Um, we have a national election. It has to be in the central part of the United States. Um, so you know we were looking for some place that we could go to that was in the central central area. Um, that you know we have to have a voting board come there and to do our elections and things like that. So, um, it's, uh, we, we had talked to the folks up there in Minot years ago about coming back. We've been there three times already. We had talked about coming back. Uh, they had a major flood out there kind of around the same time we were thinking about going back. So it kind of got put, put on the back back burner for a while and not really talked about, um, a couple of years ago, we started talking to those folks again and they were excited to have us back. Uh, we're excited to go back there. They have a terrific facility that's going to be perfect for uh, what we do. And um, we decided to make that our, our location for our 100. There were some other options, uh, um, but we decided to go to back to mine. It's been, it had been a while. It's 2005, the last time we were there. So uh, it was time to get back there. What can people expect when they, uh, if they sign up to go to uh the Minot convention in terms of camping. So if somebody hasn't done this before uh, they sign up and they're going to bring their RV there. Are there, are there hookups? Uh, is it a big open field? What's it like for somebody who's camping? The, uh, the, in Minot, most of the, most of the camping will be on hard surface. We'll have some uh, grass parking, but most of it will be on hard surface, whether it's blacktop or gravel, uh, for the most part, um, we don't really have many hookups there as far as full hookups. We have plenty of uh, electric. Um, you can get 50 or 30 amp electric. Um, we do have we will have um, some septic service and water service available if you if you need it. Um, there are dump stations there and potable water if, if folks want to fill up while they're there. Uh, we encourage people to you know show up with a full water tank and empty holding tanks. Um, you know, that way, you know, throughout the course of the event, one fills up and one it gets used. Um, but as I mentioned, we do have dump stations. We do, we will have folks, uh, uh, services available if you need to get dumped or you need water, uh, put into your motor home while you're there, your RV while you're there. Um, the, you know, the camping, there's also the option if you, if you want to dry camp, um, we have, um, a couple of different, uh, options as far as, you know, we have seven to 11 electric, uh, we can, you know, where you can run your generator, from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night, and you turn it off throughout the night. You can also have full full generator or no generator if you choose. So um, those are those are some of our options there. Um, I wish we had more full hookup uh, uh, options there. We just don't. 
Um, the grounds don't, it's not a big campground, so they don't have the full hookup options that we, I would personally love to have. Um, but you know, most, most of our, most of our attendees, um, don't have a whole lot of problems. I camping with just uh, 30 or 50 amp electric. Well, and, and, uh, part of that's because you have a heck of a lot of RVs coming, right? How many RVs do you expect? We're looking um, probably between 1,600 and 1,800 uh, RVs on site um, wow. throughout the course of the event. Um, you know, we're, you know I, I would love to say we're going to have 2,500 to 3,000, and you know, hopefully that's in our future. Um, but for this event, we're looking at 1,600 to 1,800 range. Wow. So well, looking at the, at the seminar schedule and the types of exhibitors that come, so this isn't necessarily just an event for, uh, for people who are highly experienced RVers. Those people are going to get a lot out of it too. But if you're not an experienced RVer and you want to learn, or if you don't even have an RV at all, you can still come without an RV, right? That's correct. We have some different options. We have a passport or, uh, which is basically if you come on a passport, um, you'll have, you'll get the same things, uh, uh, that you would, if you were bringing your RV, ours, all the entertainment, all the different activities. Um, you would just stay somewhere else, whether you stay in a hotel or whether you stay offsite at your house or, or wherever and just drive in for the days. That's fine. Uh, we also have public gate, uh, ticket for $10 a day per person. Um, you know, you can come in and, go through all the exhibits, see what's out there as far as, you know, what, what, uh, RVs are available to purchase, um, go through our exhibit hall to see what's going on there. The public gate does not include seminars. So if you want to go to the seminars and some of the other activities, the entertainment, you would have to get a passport. Um, for those who may be new to RVing, um, we have a couple of different programs that, that take place before the event. Um, one is our RV basics program. And it basically it is what, what it says, RV basic. It tells you the basic things you need to know um, when you get started RVing. Um, you know how how you hook up, how the different water systems work, how electric works, uh, um, a number of those different types of things that every first time RVer needs to know or should know right out of the gate. Um, really, it helps you get on your feet and get going. Um, there's a lot of th things you can learn, advanced things you can learn, but these are the things that everybody should know right off the bat. Um, we also have another program that we just started in Perry, Georgia at our last convention, which are our driving courses. Um, the RV driving school, they've come together and, and they're helping us with this. Um, they put together a program where our newbie drivers, uh, whether they, you know, are new to RVing or perhaps it's as a spouse or a partner of someone who's used to driving, but you know, they want to, they want to learn how to drive just in case something happens. Um, th they go through a course where they get, uh, individual instruction on how to drive, how to back the RV, um, those types of, so you know, we want to make sure that anybody who is new to RVing or new to driving, um, gets this kind of instruction. It's, you know, our FMCA is one of the big things. One of the big things that we're about is education. Um, and, you know, a couple years ago, we started the RV basics Then we, you know, we started started the RV driving and backing school. So uh, we want to make sure that anybody who is just joining FMCA or maybe ha who has been around has a need for our education that we can satisfy that at these uh, conventions. Um, and, and it's been very popular so far. RV basics is typically sells out um, and our RV driving school really well in Perry. And we're looking forward to it doing well here in Minot as well. So it, you don't have to be a member to attend but you end up becoming a member if you if you want to come and camp right we'll give you you know if, you, if you're going to sign up and register with us to come and camp we will give you a free membership for a year and then after that year is up uh hopefully you know fmca has given you enough benefit and you enjoyed it enough that you will decide to, to, to renew and stay with us um, but we we certainly want to give you the opportunity to join us uh at the convention and find out what FMCA is about through a year membership. And, you know, hopefully, like, as I said, you find it worthwhile and that you decide it will, you know, be something that you want to continue doing for the future. Um, you know, just getting our magazine is worth the price of the membership. Um, we do a, a monthly magazine that has tons of information um, about RVing. Um, our website, same thing. We have tons of information about RVing that you can 
that can be found on our website as well. So, um, you know, the price of a membership, just that in itself uh, is worth it. Plus, we have a lot of other member benefits that, that can go along with that. Uh, if somebody wants to sign up for the the Minot convention or to be a member, um, what do they need to do and what are all the details? Well, uh, right now they can call. Uh, we have, you know, we have folks uh, ready to take their call at 800-543-3622. Uh, just call and ask for events and, or that you're interested in uh, signing up for the Minot convention and you'll be directed to one of our uh, assistants. Um, they can certainly take your call, uh, take your take your registration to the phone. Um, you can go online at www.fmca.com. Uh, um, go to the events section. You can sign up online. Uh, very easy. Go to the portal, and it's very easy to, to do it that way. Um, we also, in our magazine, we do have, um, if you happen to have a copy of FMCA magazine, we do have a registration form in the magazine. It's also online that you can complete and uh, mail to us. So. Uh, any of those ways, we'll we'll get you set up um, as far as registration. Uh, we just our early bird just completed last Thursday. We have extended it to um, uh, the end of this Friday. So you know, I, I, this will actually come out on Saturday. We'll get in for the uh, reduced price. Okay, well then don't, yeah. don't worry about <laughs> that part. Um, you might want to cut that out. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, you can you can register uh, by. Uh, that way and, and you know we'll, we'll get it taken care of uh what else is on the horizon for fmca events in the coming year well uh next spring we are scheduled to go to uh tucson arizona and the pima county fairgrounds where, we, where we, we will have our 101st convention um i'm really looking forward to that tucson um is down in Snowbird uh, area um, in Arizona, so we're really looking forward to, um, to, to to seeing the folks who come down to the uh, Phoenix and Tucson area and spend spend the winter down there, inviting them over to to see what FMCA is all about and um, take part in the convention. Um, next summer, we have a place in the Northeast that I I, I can't completely say where it's going to be until the contract is completed, but we hope to have information about that out to our, uh, our membership here soon. Um, and then down the road, uh, we're also, uh, looking to get contract signed for a number of other places that we're hoping to have, um, hoping to have, uh, that information out, um, soon after our event in, in uh, in Minot, some of the things have to be voted on by our governing board. So, um, before we can make any announcements, we have to go, go through the logistics of having them vote on these places and whether we can go there or not. So, uh, but shortly after that, I'm hoping to make a lot of announcements of places where we're going to be going in the future. I think uh, FMCA conventions are, are the perfect opportunity for people to dip their toes into this lifestyle if they haven't yet, or if they're getting experience, they can get a lot more experience there. So I think they're a really great thing. And, uh, we've really enjoyed being members and we're looking forward to seeing you all out, uh, out in Minot. August 14th through the 17th. Yep. That, we're, we're, we're excited. We're, we're, you know, in the process of getting everything planned out. Most of it's, I wouldn't say most of it's done. There's, you know, obviously still a lot of things that have to be taken care of uh, before we get there, but um, just a couple months away, but, and we're really looking forward to getting up to Minot. I think people will really like that area of the country if they haven't been there before. All right, Doug Eulenbrock from the FMCA. Thank you for joining us on the show. But thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, I'll, I'll get to talk to you again in the future. If you are like so many other people, it is the time of year when everyone's out in the parks, we're all out doing hiking, and we're all out doing family hiking. And one of the things we love on a family hike that we were newly introduced to is pelicancoolers.com's G10 Go Case. It's the small little case, we use it for the boys. It is perfect for holding their snacks or small little items that they might wanna bring along with them and put them in their backpack, but they want to keep safe. Yeah, it's a great way to say this is the amount of 
space you have to bring something with you <laughs> yeah. and nothing more. If it doesn't fit in here, you don't it's get, not coming with. That's right. It's also a really, really great sort of meltdown saver when halfway through a hike, somebody wants to eat one of their crunchy Nature Valley granola bars, but they've completely crushed it because our kids are not gentle with their backpacks. They just throw them wherever. Well, they don't have, now that there's no meltdowns because yeah. now they open up this G10 case and that granola bar that's still solid as a rock in there. They're gonna break a molar trying to eat that thing. These things are IP67 rated for protection against damage, grime, and waterproof to a depth of one meter for 30 minutes. So that's essentially kid proof. I mean, did you put this on the front of a kayak, you know, on those little strappy things that hold it down? You hang it on their belt, even if they're wading through water, you can keep stuff safe and dry. Absolutely. And this is their smaller version. They've got a G10 and a G40. We think the G10 is perfect for the little people in your life. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to pelicancoolers.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out all of the coolers that Pelican Coolers offers because they're pretty awesome and pretty good for summertime fun. Now, if you end up buying a cooler, make sure that you go to pelicancoolers.com slash RVMiles because you're also going to get a free tumbler with any cooler purchase. We want to thank Doug again for joining us on the show. Uh, the FMCA, we can't, they are an advertiser, but we cannot emphasize enough how much we love being members of the FMCA. And like he said, the magazine alone is worth the price of the membership. Absolutely. You don't have to want to go visit people. A lot of people are loners and don't want to go to conventions. Look, you don't have to talk to people to be a member of FMCA, <laughs> no. okay? And you don't have to talk to people to go to a convention either. No, you sure don't. You right. can go sit and just listen to a seminar from mm -hmm. morning to midnight if you want. All right, it's time for our fresh tank, black tank segment, Ooh. where we talk about all the, the good stuff and the bad stuff that's on our mind this week, whether it be about the RV industry or the world at large. Abby, what is your black tank for this week? Jason, I would like to have a very serious discussion with you about the greeting card industry. I would really <laughs> like us to talk about this. They have made it to the black tank. I had to go purchase greeting cards twice this week, one for a baby shower, one for a birthday. And I about fell out of my seat when I saw a greeting card for $7. When did greeting cards start costing $7? And let me just put this into context on this greeting card. Look, I can talk for hours on this. I'm going to try and keep it real brief. This greeting card on the front had this really, it was in this really pretty sort of like gold font and it said Mac and cheese. Okay. You open it up. Standard greeting card size. It's not one of those big giant ones, you know, standard greeting card size. You open it up and it says something like, that's the best parenting advice I can give you. Congratulations. And I was like, this is such a cute card. I, I, I want to get this card. Flipped it over $6.99. That is more expensive than like one of those cases of like six boxes of craft mac and cheese Jason, like you can literally buy the mac and cheese for more than the cost of the card about the mac and cheese uh that's two grande iced coffees from starbucks okay i don't have time for that here's my thing and i said this to you because we were at target and i said this to you i could give my five-year-old i could fold up some construction paper and i could make that card with my five-year-old and it would cost me like 55 cents i do not mean to disrespect any of the artists who work in the greeting card industry. There are some beautiful greeting cards out there. I mean, that one company whose name I always say wrong, Papyrus. Pap Papyrus. Papyrus. The, Look, the ancient form of paper that. Words are not my strong suit. Okay. We've established this. Good thing we're podcasting. <laughs> yeah. My, my ability to say. Say. <laughs> <laughs> Your ability to what? Can we get back to the greeting card industry, please? Good. I think we're done with the greeting yeah, card industry. Yeah, I think industry. we're done. Let's just, can we just move? Greeting cards are a piece of paper and yes. they're overpriced. Let's move on, done. please. What's my fresh tank this week? Yes. Why, yes. Well, thank, Why, you. thank, well, thank you. you for asking. 
My fresh tank this week is something we've talked about in the past, but in a more specific context. My fresh tank goes to Spotify and whoever is creating their playlists because their playlists are so spot on Spotify. They are so well curated. That's all we've been listening to in the car, in the truck. I keep calling it the car for the last week and a half. Well, it's because they're curated by listeners. Well, some are. Now, some playlists say by Spotify. Okay. So Spotify has, and most of the ones we've been listening to have been curated by Spotify. Now, there are playlists and they're created by listeners, and you can go and follow those as well. The whole interface on Spotify is a million years ahead of any other music interface. Like, it's incredible. So I have been mostly listening to Spotify curated playlists. They're fantastic. They're And they're not just like 20, 25 songs. They're two, 300 songs. What is your... Mr. Epperson, black uh, tank. My black tank is the RV industry slowdown. Um, dun, dun, dun. But, so the, the industry has been on a boom for 10 years. It, it really has been, and it really culminated uh, about two years ago. And it is official now. The industry is in the middle of a slowdown again. I think everybody who wanted to buy RVs did over the course of the last 10 years and now they have them and they're not ready to buy again. I think that's the issue. It's just a cyclical business. There's going to be a down period. There'll be an up period when people are, are ready to replace all those RVs that they bought in, in that decade again. Um, there's a plus side to this though. I think the industry needed this. They have been pushing out units so fast. Slapping those RVIA approved stickers <laughs> on them. Like, like nobody's business without increasing capacity, you know, in their plants. And, and I mean, they are doing a bit of that, but it is a the biggest part of the quality issue that's going on in the RV industry right now. This sounds a little bit more like a gray tank. Yeah, I, that's what I'm so saying. It's a tank. little, there's a little gray to it because there's yeah. a silver lining that I think the industry needed. Uh, of course, you know, they need the money as well in order to grow, but I think they needed to, get back to basics a little bit. So hopefully a bit of a slowdown is going to give them time to really look at manufacturing processes and make sure that the quality control gets back to where it needs to be. And what is your fresh tank? Oh, my fresh tank this week is uh, a new unit from Garmin. We we announced uh, a couple months ago that Garmin had updated their popular uh, RV770 unit, which a lot of people have to the Garmin 880 unit. Very little fanfare about the 880, and it's not that different than the 770, Um, but Garmin has just introduced a new unit, which is weird because they've gone back to the 700 numbering. So this is like an update of the 770. It's the 785. So it's the Garmin 785 GPS unit. I need to go get a notebook I so know. I can write down the all numbers of these are numbers. crazy. They should I put cannot, a name on these things yeah, instead I've, of a number. I've tuned out. <laughs> so it's the RV 785. But what's cool about this is this. So this is a new Garmin RV unit, which means it allows you to put in height and width. And it's going to keep you mostly on like truck routes that that aren't going to put you on, you know, the worst roads out there. For the most part, you still got to check your route because none of them are perfect. But what this has added in is a built in dash camera uh, like you see on YouTube all the time. If you watch, you know, YouTube crash videos, as I do. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. But these are is very popular to have dash cameras in Europe because it's a huge um, it, it's a huge thing for for insurance because you can you can prove that you weren't at fault in an accident if you have a dash cam because normally they record 15 minutes like on a 15 minute loop and uh and they have sensors in them so when you get in a crash it senses that and it saves that last 15 minutes and it's always recording 15 minutes so you can press a button and you can say i want to save that 15 minutes you saw something really cool happening and you want to put that on youtube or you went, you know, up going to the sun road and you want to save that for your memories. 
you can ha you can do that with a dash cam. But the coolest the cool thing about this is it's built into one unit and you don't have to have a separate unit. And it also works with a a backup camera. So you can this is your display for your front camera and your back camera, but it's also your GPS. So you have just one little display there. And I from everybody I've talked to that has RV GPSs, people are the most happy with the Garmin units. You're looking at me real hard while you're telling me yeah, about this. Let's get one. I see what's <clears throat> happening. I see you. <laughs> and I'm gonna, so let's move on to a brain teaser. All right. It is time for this week's brain teaser. Simon likes ice cream, but doesn't like oranges. James likes apples, but doesn't like eggs. Kevin likes eggs, but doesn't like ice cream. Keith likes eggs, but does he like tea cakes? If you think you know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or a message on any of our social media accounts, and you might win a Not All Who Wander, our last t-shirt. Hey, make sure to send your answer before we record the next week's episode, yes. which so means you need to get that answer to us every week by Thursday. Thursday. Um, cause we record on Friday. So we love all of you and we love all your answers, but they do us absolutely yeah. no good when you send it to us nine days later. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, do it, do it. All right. And if you are interested in any other links or anything else we talked about in today's show, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash 99. And let us not forget, if you are a lover of the national parks, we do hope you will join us over on America's National Parks podcast. What is this week's episode about? This week's episode was about the Emancipation Proclamation, and it's a, it's from a ranger at Gettysburg. It's a it's a great talk that that he did as a part of a lecture series, and uh, I, I was enthralled by it. And of course, as Jason has already said, you can follow RV Miles all across social media. And if you are interested in what we are up to personally, we talk a lot about our lives over on our travel blog, ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are all across social media. We'd like to thank our sponsors this week, LL Bean, the FMCA, Shady Rays, PelicanCoolers.com, and Togo. But most importantly, we would like to thank you for listening. We appreciate having you every week. We appreciate hearing from you. And until next week, everyone, keep logging those RV miles. Bye. Bye.